Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Thursday, October the 22nd of 2020. And we are we just want to welcome all our listeners, wherever you are tuning in from. We are so privileged and honored to have you join us today. And thank you for setting, up, uh, setting some time aside to join us and, and be able to be part of this podcast. If you've been following us the last uh, few days, we have been in the book of Acts, and I really believe uh, there's been so much uh, tremendous insight that God has given us on on how the the church began, the roots, you know, and how he began to uh, allow the gospel to be spread through men that he used and women of God. And there's a lot of prophecy, prophetic events that we see here uh, that are showing us of things to come, because as it was in the book of Acts, so shall it be for the church in this last hour. And I think that's yeah. why the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord has us in these uh, verses, in these chapters, because I think he's He's telling us something about what is taking place in this hour, in our midst, within the church. And today in our panel, we are so happy to have Brother Marty and Brother Fernando join us today as we study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, we are excited. We're getting close to Friday, but we're excited on this Thursday, uh, the journey that we have been uh, on uh, in these last few podcasts as the Lord, what began uh, on a Friday, Brother Marty, thinking it was just going to be just a one-day podcast. (laughs) We're now, it's been just a few podcasts more that have added as the Lord has been expanding us, and he's had us here. And I really do believe that with all my heart, Brother Marty, that it is the Holy Spirit who has us, as it was in the book of Acts, so shall it be for us in the end. And I really believe that statement with all my heart. So, Brother Marty, share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We've, we're, we're, we're entering into our 10th podcast, as you said, uh, in, in our series entitled Paul. Uh, in Athens. And uh, as Brother Jeremy said, I I do indeed believe that the Spirit of God uh, led us here. Uh, We've covered uh, almost 16 chapters now of the book of Acts. And and by the grace of God, we pray that you've been encouraged and been learning as we have, uh, as we look into these these most profound stories uh, that account for the the birth of, of the church, the outpouring of the Spirit, and the uh, the spread of the gospel uh, first to the Jew, and then as it made its way uh, to the nations uh, of the world in the first century, and specifically dealing with uh, the Apostle Paul, why he was necessary, how he started, how the Lord revealed Himself to him, and then how he began his missionary journeys, and the development of what we have now come to know as the New Testament, the great Apostle writing 14 books of the New Testament over half of the New Testament, was revealed to him by the Spirit. And so yesterday we've come to chapter 16. Uh, We're in the midst of Paul's second missionary journey, but we've kicked it up to a different level now as we begin to look at it in a more interesting, uh, you know, level of of interpretation here as we we seek to glean uh, the prophetic foreshadows that are revealed in the historical accounts. Chapter 16 is is very unique uh, because it it, it contains three specific incidences 
that the Holy Spirit draws our attention to. We covered uh, incidents number one yesterday, which we'll briefly discuss in a second here. But as we begin today, we encourage you to have your Bibles, <laughs> and we pray that uh, that uh, you'll be blessed as we continue to look deeper into the prophetic foreshadows in Paul's journey to Athens as we enter into chapter 16 again today. So I want Brother Jeremy to begin our study today by by reading uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 16. And we pray you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy? Amen. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. A spirit of divination, and that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, in yesterday's study, we focused on on the prophetic metaphors that, that are found in the historical account uh, in the book of Acts of Paul, Silas, and Timothy's journey to, to Philippi. You know, there are three particular stories uh, which drive the events of chapter 16. And as we will see and have been seeing, they do correspond indeed uh, to the book of Revelation, as well as many of the prophetic declarations found in the writings of the Old Testament prophets uh, concerning the events of, of the end time. Now, as we looked at yesterday, uh, what ended up happening was that the Holy Spirit, in a very forceful way, began to constrain uh, the Apostle Paul and, and lead him in a particular direction. So that when we get to verse 6 of chapter 16, we're told that they were intending to go up into greater Asia, but, but that the Holy Spirit forbade them to do so. And then as they journeyed on, they, they intended to go into Bithynia in verse 7. But again, the Holy Spirit shows up and does not allow them to go in that direction. And so as they continued the journey and they came to, to a particular city by the name of Troas, it was there that they rested. And then verse 9 revealed to us, it was in a vision in the nighttime that the Holy Spirit allowed the Apostle Paul to then receive fuller instruction where he saw a man, uh, you know, waving to him from Macedonia and calling to the Apostle Paul in his vision. And, and his, his words with a loud cry were, come and help us. So when he awoke, he, he immediately knew this is the direction we're supposed to go. And so they left and they journeyed to Macedonia and they came to rest in Philippi. As we discussed yesterday, that Philippi was a city that was founded by Philip of Macedon, the great general and of the Spartans. And he, uh, uh, while he was there and founding this city, he fathered a son by the name of Alexander the Great. We were talking about the fact that the Spirit of God brought him to the territory of the place of the birth of a foreshadow of the Antichrist. And so it sets the tone for us as we dig deeper into, into different levels of Scripture and, and, and view them from the perspective of what it is revealed to us in Revelation 19.10 is the testimony of Jesus Christ, and that is the Spirit of Prophecy. And so within the writings, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, there are there uh, nuggets of truth hidden uh, beneath the plain telling of the story that if you have spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see as led uh, prayerfully by the Holy Spirit, he begins to reveal things in a very, very esoteric way. 
And that's what we began to see. There was much symbolism in yesterday's story. They come to the place of the birth of the foreshadow of an antichrist. They gather uh, on the seventh day. Uh, and we encourage you to go back and listen to yesterday's podcast to fill in the blanks. But the seventh day, very symbolic of the of the seventh millennium, uh, which according to many scholars and, and church fathers, that there would be a portion 7,000 years of human history. So when our attention was drawn to the seventh day or the Sabbath day, where a group of women come out of the city, these kinds of phrases and, and very specific technical construction in how the story is being revealed serve to alert those who are students of biblical prophecy that something far deeper is being said here and, and being hinted at. And so as the women gather out of the city, we talked about how that, that uh, you know, that foreshadows an end time event where, where the women, uh, which are many times likened to churches, are brought out of the city. The city in question here is the city of Philippi, the city where the birthplace, again, of the foreshadow of the one that was to come and is yet to come, uh, the Antichrist uh, seen in Alexander the Great, his hometown, uh, was. And so by them coming out of the city, we talked about how what the Holy Spirit seems to be indicating there is that in the end of time, uh, <clears throat> there will be a situation where uh, it, it will be necessary for the churches to remove themselves uh, from a system. Now, Philippi was a colony of the Roman Empire. Again, symbolism, the way it's being described, the way it's being uh, revealed uh, in the story of St. Luke penned it in the book of Acts, anointed of the Holy Spirit to do so. We have components of the uh, of the larger truth that would be revealed later through the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, of that beast system that would rise, represented by the colony of Rome, and the specific territory, Philippi, the birthplace of Alexander the Great, a foreshadow of the Antichrist. So these kinds of symbols are ways that we glean understanding uh, in the things of the scripture as they portray to the unfolding revelation of prophetic writing. Daniel spoke of a of a beast that would be unlike any beast uh, that would rise in the end of time, and it would it would be that particular spirit of that beast that would enslave the whole world, and that there would be one that rises up out of that system, a reconstituted system that would emerge in the last days and begin to 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 collate itself again. It would literally begin to rise out of the sea, as we see in Revelation chapter 13. So there we see in that first story that the women gather and they come out of the city. And where they gathered was very significant, as we pointed out. They gather by the river, a flowing river, which is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you read in the book of Ezekiel, he talks about that, that river that flows. It first started at his ankles and to his knees and his waist, and eventually it became waters to swim in. Jesus talked about the water being symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It will be within you a well of water springing up under everlasting life. So we, 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 we learn from this that what he's telling us is that, is that the church in the final hour, much like it occurred uh, in the days of, of Paul's second missionary journey, where the Holy Spirit led him to, will be required to lead the system 
in order to 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 uh to sit in the presence of the spirit which is represented by the flowing river it was at that time then as we noticed in our story that we were our attention was drawn by the holy spirit to a specific woman and her name was lydia and again if you're not familiar with what we're talking about you can find that in acts chapter 16 verse 14 through 15. We discovered how Lydia's name is very symbolic because her name means one who travails or the travailing woman. Uh, it is to her that the spirit of Christ is drawn, as we see represented by Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy, as they were drawn to her. And she's identified as one who worships God. And also it was unique in the sense that what she did for a living was she was an exchanger and a developer of, of purple cloth. That's how she made her living, uh, selling purple cloth. And the, and the Spirit of God, uh, again, as Luke recorded it, identifies what she did and the color of the cloth that she sold. These are all hints as we learn and dig deeper into Scripture that something prophetic is being said to us. So she's a travailing woman who deals in purple cloth. And purple is symbolic, as we know from the Scripture, of royalty. So in many ways, Lydia represents a church in the end time that is the royal, that is the royal bride of Christ, and that's who she represents, and that's who our attention was drawn to, and to whom uh, Paul and Silas and them, representing the Spirit of Christ, would come into her house, and 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 she would constrain them to come to her house, as it's written in, in verse fifteen, and so. Uh, it is there that, that the Spirit of Christ will come to rest. And also it was said that her whole household would be saved. And so all of that taken together is, is really portraying a story of, of the end times as described throughout the Holy Prophets and Apostles' writings as it pertains to the second coming of the Lord and the final system that will arise, which system, by the way, we believe. Uh, has has already uh, begun to to collate itself in our time and increase in intensity in pushing itself forward into the global consciousness, specifically as the year 2020 began. And we're coming to the end of this year, and we've seen amazing things taking place around the world. And so that's why we believe the Holy Spirit has us here, and why we have taken this uh, this extensive look at Chapter 16 as we're journeying onto Athens, which itself is the culmination of, of, of many things which we'll look at in the coming days. So there are three stories, like we said, that are revealed in chapter 16. One we just discussed at length. The second one is this woman uh, who is uh, filled with the spirit of divination. And then the third story is Paul and Silas being jailed uh, in Philippi. And all of these have prophetic overtones. But today we're going to look at the second story, which is uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 19. Let's see uh, what this certain damsel, this woman, um, uh, let, let's see what's with her, because we're going to see some pretty interesting things. So, Brother Jeremy, could you please read to us again uh, Acts 16, verse 16 through 19, as we explore uh, this woman who's possessed with the spirit of divination. Amen. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, 
which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. In verse 19. And, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. All righty. So let's fasten our seatbelts and get into this a little bit today. So what do we see in this second story? First of all, the Holy Spirit is drawing our attention uh, to how it is described here, a damsel uh, or a woman, a slave girl, really, uh, with the spirit of divination. So looking at it from the prophetic lens and the, the testimony of Jesus Christ uh, by the spirit of prophecy, metaphorically and symbolically, this this young woman, as she appears in the second story, by the way, uh, is a foreshadow of, of of the mother of harlots, if you will, that is revealed to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 17 and 18. Now, we're going to discuss some things today from a different perspective, and then we'll return to her. But I want to talk to you about some things today that seem to indicate that the same spirit, the same spirit of divination has risen again, and that it is always a, a precursor or a foreshadow uh, in their time, but really will come into fruition in our time. She must appear uh, before uh, the Antichrist appears, appears. Now, listen, there are reasons that we put this thesis forth, and we're going to describe that to you. Brother Jeremy, do you have your your uh, your Greek uh, uh, what do you call that yes. thing um, where you look up the word? Yes. Uh, could Asian. you could you look up for us the the, the word divination because it's yes. very insightful for what it really is, and it, it's not just that she's a witch or something like that. A specific word was used, and it's meant for us to to take note of that and then understand what's being revealed here. Could you tell us what that means? Yes. Um, it means, <clears throat> let me see here, analogy, divine inspiration. In Greek mythology, is, is that the one you want me to read? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's good. Okay. Read that. Okay. In Greek mythology, the name of the Pythian serpent or dragon that dwelt in the region of Pytho at the foot of Parnassus in Phocis and was said to have guarded the oracle at Delphi and been slain by Apollo. Let me see what else here. Um, it's the seat. Is that maybe this is what it's the seat of the famous oracle was located? A python, by analogy, with the supposed mm -hmm. divinator, inspiration, soothsaying, divination. Right, all it of comes, it. It comes. It comes from the word also. That's interesting. Python. That's right. So that's really what we're looking at here is the spirit of Python. 
Now, it's interesting that Luke, directed by the Holy Spirit, uses the, the phrase uh, python, which is the dragon, as Brother Jeremy just read, which is the spirit of the snake. And and it's it's really something interesting because it has its roots in the Greek culture. And I believe that's why he used it, because we're in Philippi, the seat of of, <laughs> of ancient Greece, right? I mean, where Alexander came from, so, so forth and so on. Now, here's a woman that's possessed with the spirit of Python. The spirit of divination is the spirit of Python. And Python in Greek mythology is said to be uh, the spirit of the serpent or the spirit of the dragon. Now, it is no uh, accident or coincidence that the Holy Spirit had you, Luke use this specific term and word in order to draw our attention to what was actually possessing this woman, and specifically when we look at it from the perspective of prophecy. Now, she is a woman that is being controlled by the dragon himself. She is inhabited with an ancient spirit, and it's known as the spirit of Python, What's interesting is how the devil always distorts uh, the gospel, because in Greek mythology, this spirit of, of Python, this, uh, as you get into it deeper, you'll find, and we'll look at it here in a second, that, that the serpent, the dragon itself, is said to have emerged from the heart of the earth, from the very center of the earth, and that in Greek mythology, Apollo, the son of Zeus, uh, which in Greek mythology is really a distortion of the father and the son narrative in the Gospels, Apollo appears and he destroys the spirit of Python, crushing his head. So that's that's <laughs> that's the story the Greeks used to hear, right? And so it's this spirit of Python, this serpent that has uh, uh, that that has its origins in the heart of the earth, also known as the dragon spirit. Uh, inhabits this woman, this damsel. And what's interesting as well is that, like we said, he comes from the heart of the earth. Now, listen to this, because the story goes like this. His mother, um, this this python snake dragon thing, uh, his mother is said to be Mother Nature, the earth. The Greeks called her Mother Earth, the Greeks called her or worshipped her, and this is a phrase that's familiar to our day. And as we go forward, we're going to see some very interesting things as to the same spirit rising again, because she's known as Gaia. For those of you who are familiar with that term, that that that's 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 the Greek term for Mother Earth. Mother Earth, right? That's right. So she's known as Gaia. So we see here a a a reference to an end-time resurrection of this spirit, but it's hidden within this story. Now, take a look at this. See, in today's modern era, the same worship of Gaia is emerging. You know, the whole emphasis on climate change and uh, global warming, you know, the Green New Deal, this whole trip that, 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 the, that the UN is, is pushing forward, uh, the UN agenda on climate change, all of it has its origin in, in pantheism and, and the veneration or the worship of Mother Earth. And and really, the emphasis on climate change and global warming in our time is a sign and a signal to us 
that we are in the last times and a return to these ancient spirits really have have only been repackaged in modern language, but it's it's reemerging. Now, stay with us now because what we're going to discuss here is very interesting. You know, signals have been emerging if you've been paying attention. Uh, that we have entered into the days of the spirit of Python, the same spirit um, that that inhabited this damsel. Remember, Gaia, uh, it is said in Greek mythology, was the one who gave birth to the serpent. And why is that in their mythology now? Um, but we know as, as as students of prophecy and, and, and as servants of the Lord that the scriptures describe the very same dragon and, and where he exists. Is in the heart of the earth, right? And and later we'll look at that where Apollyon himself in the book of Revelation chapter 9, verse 4 and 11 shall emerge from the heart of the earth. Just on a side note, you know what's interesting? This oracle of Delphi that you read about that Luke was referencing when he talked about the spirit of divination, they used to come to the oracle of Delphi. And as a matter of fact, the temple that they discovered where, where the oracle was, was very interesting, and you have to do some deep archaeological study uh, writings of, of the archaeologists that went to look here. But these ancient temples, when they came to the actual place in Philippi uh, and, and, and in other uh, temples, but particularly Philippi, when they came to those temples, they found that, uh, that something very interesting. See, it was said that, <clears throat> that, that when a, the actual oracle of Delphi would would come forth she lived in a temple and then she would sit on a tripod and she would sit uh and as she would sit uh that smoke would emerge from a crevice in the floor she she existed underneath the temple so in order to get to her you had to like go down these winding staircases and you'd get to her and she'd be sitting there and she was specifically sought after uh, for prophecy and it was said that she she was influenced by Python in the heart of the earth. And so what intrigued uh, archaeologists at the time, was, uh, you know, in the modern day was they wondered if, if it was a literal uh, crack in the earth uh, where she would sit. And, and lo and behold, um, and you can do this simple Google search and really dig into the archaeology of it, but they found uh, that that's indeed the case that where the temple was actually constructed, underneath the temple where she would have been sitting, there is indeed a crevice, uh, which they called the particular fault lines that, that were opened up. And they were <laughs> blew them away when they saw it. And what they said would happen was that, you know, kind of like when a volcano lets steam out, you know, you know the, the smoke that emerges from deep underneath the ground. It is said that the different mixtures of methane gases and stuff that would come up from underneath the earth while this woman would sit here, the oracle, which, by the way, was a priesthood or a priestesshood, if you will, that was handed down from generation to generation. This oracle would sit there, and, and it is said that the mixture of these gases emerging from underneath the earth literally caused her to enter into some sort of you know, altered state because she was being influenced by these gases. And then she would seem to be overcome by some sort of ecstatic utterance. And so the, what would happen is the priests of the temple who cared for the oracle would then interpret what she said because many of the times she was just so incoherent, but they would 
tailor these prophecies to whatever emperor or you know high public official would come and consult with her even down to the lowest farmer who was seeking information on when he should plant his crops so this was this was pervasive throughout the society and so so we are seeing this same sort of of mysticism beginning to emerge and 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 remember again the the story goes that that the serpent itself uh was birthed by mother earth and so the connection needs to be made between uh, mother nature so to speak and the dragon and the two are very much important in alerting us to the prophetic times that we're living in now listen an interesting thing happened recently and and many in the protestant churches you know never even knew it happened i mean my brothers and i have, have discussed this at length and i believe that that unless you're paying attention this just flew by most people's notice but it was very much an important event that occurred and it occurred in rome and of all places it occurred at the vatican on on october 6th through october 27th last year in 2019 uh the, the pope called uh for something that they called the amazon synod it was it was a meeting a global meeting uh that that was called uh after he issued what 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 was known as uh, laudato si that's that's <laughs> that's uh latin for for basically to put it in simply in english was it's it's a declaration of uh, of 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 the uh, policy or the doctrine if you will issued by the infallible one according to them the pope right uh, as it pertained to to nature, the universe, and the veneration of the earth, and so he calls for this what they called Amazon Synod, and the emphasis was on Mother Earth, Gaia, and uh, and in conjunction with the United Nations stated uh, climate agenda, uh, which is which they're pushing hard to be completely enacted in uh, 2030. I want to point something out to you. Uh, to consider, have you noticed how that since the since the coronavirus was became the major issue early on uh, in 2020, that as we went along in the subsequent months, even up till now and through the summer, that the message of the coronavirus, you know, the lockdowns and the and the wearing of the masks, what began to emerge on a global level from many heads of states and emerging from the United Nations and the Vatican as well. They they began to talk about what they call a global reset, and they began to talk about the coronavirus in in conjunction with what they call the the greatest opportunity we have uh, to to readjust our policies on climate change, and what the two have to do in our minds, uh, you know, how does the coronavirus connect to the to to, to climate change? It has nothing to do with it. But you see, they're using it as an opportunity to further along this veneration of Mother Earth and their agenda. Now listen, what happened at the Vatican is very significant because it was wrapped in a ceremony. They called about 200, I think it was two or 300 members of the indigenous tribes of the Amazon rainforest. You can't make this stuff up, man. And, and what they did 
was they brought them into the Vatican Gardens, and and they had a ceremony to open the synod, this gathering from all over the world, and they had these indigenous tribes bring out an idol, and the name of the idol was some of you may have heard of it. I know you guys brothers have. Uh, the Amazonian tribes call it uh, Pachamama. They call it Pachamama. Uh, and, and they had this ceremony in the in the Vatican Gardens where this Pachamama was worshipped and bowed down to by all that were present. Uh, and the Pope was sitting there in his chair, surrounded by the cardinals of the church, those devils. And they were witnessing this pagan ceremony take place on uh, in the gardens of of the Vatican, which is really interesting to me because when you study out, as we have, and those of you who have been following us, when we talk about the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah, when they talked about uh, about them, uh, you know, the idols under every green tree, you know, the connection between idolatry and and nature itself began to infiltrate ancient Judah and Israel, which ultimately brought about their downfall. Remember and the rise of the Babylonian state, a foreshadow of a global empire, and Nebuchadnezzar, a foreshadow of the Antichrist coming down and destroying them. So what's interesting is that the to open this Amazon synod and the veneration of, of this this mother spirit, this Gaia, um, they, they have this ceremony in the Vatican Gardens, and, and she was worshipped. It's this naked little statue thing, man, they brought out. And she's pregnant because really she's the ancient fertility god, goddess. She is Aphrodite. She is Venus. She is all these names through the years. It, when it made its way to South America, she becomes Pachamama. It's just another name for an old devil, but it's Mother Nature. Now listen, in the presence of the Pope and the high-ranking cardinals of the church, she was worshipped. And like we said, so who was this Pachamama? She's Gaia. She's the mother of Python, that same spirit uh, that that Luke references. You know, there are the, these these Mother Earth spirits. These are ancient spirits of the devil, and they're being resurrected in our time. Now listen to this. Understand this. This took place in Vatican City. This took place in Rome, and it was applauded by the nations of the world. And its ceremonies uh, were covered globally by the media. This wasn't some tiny little event. I mean, this was global in nature. And if we're paying attention, what we are actually seeing is the announcement that Mother Earth, Gaia, I believe, is about, or what they were trying to declare, is she's about to bring forth Python, if you will, the dragon from the pit, from the heart of the earth. Now, that's way out there for some of you, I know. But these are actual events that just happened last year. And then out of that comes what? The coronavirus, right? Out of the coronavirus comes now this declaration that we have to further along and completely reset the world, not just in how we approach climate change, but also how we approach every single thing that has to do with the with humanity, to include the removing of borders, right, to the unifying of, of ourselves as one world, and the reinstitution 
of a new global economic system and the ability to track every person on the face of the earth. That's what they're putting out there right now. And they announced it last year, October 6th. It began. It was, it, And it lasted until October 27th. So if we're paying attention, and if you understand how to read the signs of the times, what is being declared openly is that they are now moving in the direction and, and, and boldly declaring that Mother Earth is about to give birth to something. Now, lest you think we're insane, <laughs> it was just a few years ago that the leaders of the world gathered together in Switzerland uh, outside of CERN at the Goddard Tunnel, which had been years in the making, which, by the way, is a tunnel that connects ancient uh, Europe underneath the Swiss Alps so that now they can uh, enter into one economic system without having to fly or go around by way of sea or, or, or through the mountains on a road. They dug the largest and deepest tunnel in the world uh, from where they, they, they have created a high-speed train in order to increase the ability of connectivity as it pertains to political-driven uh, ideology and policy as well as economic ideology and policy. And, and my brothers and I, we've talked about this before. Uh, at that ceremony, uh, they they basically did a ceremony about, <laughs> about a, a an, uh, an angel that falls from the sky and then uh, impregnates a woman, and the woman gives birth to a goat child. What that has to do with a train, I have no idea. <laughs> but right. Right. And, and and again, uh, Brother Marty, you know, you had a um, high ranking political leaders, you know, from France. I think Merkel was there. Um, and this is all it's all available. Go to go to YouTube and look up the the, uh, the grand opening of this tunnel. It is the most bizarre Thing. And not not just that, you had Vatican officials there too, right? That's, and, that's and, right. Uh, yeah. men, and, and men of other religions as well, from what I remember. Um, and 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 they're putting they're they're doing this drama or dramatizing, uh, you know, taking from the Book of Revelation, taking events from the Book of Revelation, but giving it their own spin, almost as though as what the Book of Revelation uh, says. Uh, it's not going to happen, and actually, uh, the, Satan prevails, which is blasphemous. Yeah, blasphemous. Mm -hmm. Again, and be careful when you look at these things. But it's all there. Like, you know, you know. I heard somebody say the other day. You know, everybody talks about the deep state, and he's like, you know what? There, there is no deep state. It's it's all right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <That's laughs> right. True. It's all right in front of you. They're not hiding mm -hmm. it no more. They're telling you exactly what they're going to do. That's powerful, brother. You're right. I forgot about that, but you're right. High-ranking Vatican officials were there. You mentioned Angela Merkel of Germany, the prime minister of, of Italy. Yeah, of Germany, not France, right. Yeah. Right. And the, pri the prime minister of Italy. But yet every other nation in Europe, the old Roman Empire being revived and declaring by, like Brother Fernando said, this bizarre ceremony that has nothing to do with a train. Now, let's go a little deeper just on that. 
because the train was meant to connect the underneath the Swiss Alps, old Europe. And and where the train comes out is is where they have that great particle accelerator called CERN. And and there are many that as a matter of fact, if you go to the original website uh and, and look on the on the page uh, uh, of the original director of CERN, I think if you go back, uh, I don't know, I think it's like 2012, 2011, somewhere in there, um, he boldly states that the goal of CERN is is to open dimensions and to let things in or send things there. Actually going back to the beginning of, as he put it, uh, the creation, the moment of singularity when all things came to be and to pierce the veil beyond that and that their stated goal is to cause a rip <laughs> in the in the fabric of time and space in order to access the dimensions that they know are there. And what's really interesting, if you want to dig even deeper, is that CERN itself, the complex, is built on what used to be the old temple of Apollo. And, and so you're looking, <laughs> which is interesting because when you think about it, the book of Re Revelation mentions that there will be a beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, or in modern language, you could talk about another dimension. Because when you look at the book of Revelation, what it speaks of, and it goes hand in hand of this spirit of divination, the spirit of Python that we're talking about. Let's take a look at that real quick. In Revelation chapter uh, 9. Well, Jeremy, would you turn over there real quick? Yeah. I'll say this too, Brother Marty. Um, we have to understand that all these ancient pagan religions, uh, these, you know, the, the ancient mythology uh, stories, um, these are all uh, stories that have been passed down through uh, generation to generation. And it's, 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 it's the world's gospel mm -hmm. of who's coming. Yes. And it's, it's, it's Satan himself coming. And that's what these stories are saying. And that's yeah. what the, that's what, you know, the, the, these, these false religions are declaring. They're awaiting one. Yes, they know they one is coming. And it's 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 Lucifer, and he is coming. The Bible says, "Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you." But yeah. the gospel that we preach is that Jesus Christ is coming, and He oh, is yeah. Lord, and He is the victor. He is the conqueror. He has overcome, and He will defeat the enemy. So, yeah. so the 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 world is preaching its gospel that their Messiah is coming. That's really good, and 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 yeah, because and, and the way that that this event actually took place in Acts chapter sixteen, what did Paul do? It's almost like a hint there, as the spirit of Christ moved through him, and he addressed that spirit in that woman, that that ancient spirit of Python, right? That 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 beast from the bottomless pit, and he cast it out. So there's a hint there of what you're talking about. The gospel that we preach is the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it can be seen there as as it as it moves as the Spirit of Christ moved through Paul, and he cast that spirit out. He dealt with it, but that's that we'll get to that in a second. But that's really good, man, because like we said, if we're paying attention, it's like Brother, <laughs> Brother Fernando just said, there ain't nothing about no deep state anymore, man. It's right in front of us. 
I mean, it's it's out in the open, man. There ain't no no hiding it anymore. I mean, think about uh, see now we're just going off, but that's all right. We're just gonna talk about some prophecy here. Think about tonight's debate. Think about what they're doing. They they're having the president of the United States with a mute button, so that if he decides that he wants to ask a question or say something as it pertains to the, the utter corruption that's been exposed in the last week or so, as it pertains to, to these, these uh, Hunter Biden laptops that were, that were left behind, and now uh, what's on those uh, hard drives is being revealed, but yet shut down by the global media. If it wasn't for the underground platforms that we have and the different access points, whether they be podcasts or YouTubes or whatever, you know, websites and other, uh, you know, outlying media sources, we wouldn't even know what's going on. Because so great has the beast infiltrated this country that it is literally shutting down information for the general public at large. And even in tonight's debate, you're going to see the spirit of the Antichrist. As as I, I, I for those of you who are just going to listen today, maybe the next couple of days, go back if the debates already occurred and, and just pull up some film because I guarantee you we're going to see some fireworks tonight. But what you are actually seeing is is the muzzling of the leader of the free world. Tell me who's in charge, who's pulling these strings. And this is more than human. This is satanic what we are witnessing. I'm not talking politics to you. I'm talking to you about the absolute overthrow of what uh, of what we've known as the freest place on earth. And 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 it must be removed in order for the agenda that they are seeking uh to 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 bring to pass uh to happen. It's the last stand. And it could never have taken place if it wasn't for the compromise that was allowed to filter in amongst the ruling religious elite over the last several decades where they turned the gospel of Jesus Christ into a pathetic display of sensuality and an ego-driven, egocentric preachers with compromised congregations all up in the world. And so now a spirit of fear has gripped many at those levels and people are afraid of what they see coming but they have no spiritual strength to tap it down or to overthrow it. And so they wrap themselves in a pseudo-patriotism. They they, they lean on the symbols of what once was a righteous nation. They cling to a Bible that they never read. They sing songs that they don't mean. And now their churches are shut. And they have no idea how they're going to prevent this. But you see, that's why we mentioned Lydia yesterday. Because... She constrained the spirit of Christ to come into her house, and there he stays. God is coming to his people. God is revealing himself to his children. God is going to fill the houses of every single heart and soul and mind that understands the times and is travailing like Lydia for that royal one, the one who clothes himself in purple and white and red and blue, the the coming king is at hand. And these stories, as they're revealed in in Acts chapter 16, it's not by accident. We talked about the the man in the night vision crying to the Apostle Paul, come help us, right? It's It's a cry. It's an indication. It's a deep revelation in a historical story as led and constructed by the Spirit of God 
to reveal to us upon whom the end of time has come exactly what we're witnessing. And he had them live it out in real time, but yet it's the spirit of prophecy. And so the first story deals with the construction and the arriving at a very symbolically described place that has all the aspects of prophetic scripture, whether it's Macedonia or Philippi or the birthplace of Alexander the Great, the colony, the beast system of the Roman Empire, the inability to meet openly in public houses of worship, which forces them out of the system or out of the city to the river where the, where the spirit is flowing, and the attention being drawn to a specific woman, Lydia, a travailer, a dealer in purple representing royalty, all of that, and then her constraining the spirit of Christ in Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke to come into her house. Once that is uh, described and finished, boom, we go into the second story the woman with the spirit of divination and what we're describing right now, what we're talking about right now, having its implications that have reached well into our time. So this, this, Under, <laughs> go ahead. Brother, Brother Marty, on October 13th of this year, there was an article that really creeped me out that says, give to Gia what is Gia's. And then it says, Vatican issues a Mother Earth coin. And so this All right, wait coin a Wait, wait, we're going to get there. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. That's, that's exactly where we're headed, brother. All right. Okay. So we're, All right. Because that's very symbolic. Well, I'll have you read the article, okay? So, so the Pope closed last year's synod that we're describing with, with, a, with a service, with a mass in the Vatican itself, over the grave of St. Peter. In the Basilica, he has this ceremony where they bring the the actual bowl where they where they they offered libations and poured out water to this false idol they they bring the bowl and the and the pope has them place the bowl which was used in the worship of of Gaia or mother earth he blesses it and he puts it on the altar in St Peter's basilica now in case we're not understanding the message here uh, it was actually six days ago that 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 this happened. Uh, you have uh, October thirteenth. Read it, brother. Read what you were going to read now. Oh yeah, no, I was just saying. Yeah, the article was about give to Gia what is Gia, and the Vatican issues a Mother Earth coin, and what it is is a it's a picture of a indigenous woman who's pregnant, and where she's pregnant, it's really a picture of the Earth. Yes. And so um they um <clears throat> so the Vatican portrayed it as a mother carrying the earth to which they say we owe care and love as if she were a, a daughter. And they say that it symbolizes the earth's fertility. And um let me see. And the way the Pope Francis says it's a commitment to take care of the planet, but yeah, right. It's an opening that that we're right. seeing. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out that yeah, on the thirteenth they came out with a coin with an indigenous uh pregnant woman who has a picture of the earth inside her womb. Right. And and now this is intense what you just brought up because uh, and another thing, when when you study Gaia uh, Mother Earth, she was um she was a, a goddess in charge when you study the mythology of creating the, I don't know, the platform to house 
the gods of um, Olymp- uh, Mount Olympus. That's right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 if you read between the lines, that's exactly what they're doing. They are preparing for yeah. his coming. Yeah. Who's coming? It ain't the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's but they're, they, they're about to house somebody, but it's not right. it's not Jesus Christ. It's 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 the enemy himself. That's what they're claiming. Yeah. He's coming. You're right. He is. He's on his way. And 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 his, the signs are all around. You know, not to gross anybody out, but I don't know. You know, some of the media sources that I go to, um, you'll never see this on the mainstream media. But last weekend. Uh, they had a ceremony in Boston, Massachusetts. Did you guys see that? Where they they uh, they took the American flag and they lit it on fire. Now, these are people from Antifa now. And they danced around the flag in a circle. And one of the members of the circle that was dancing around the flag had a heart, an actual heart. Whether it was human or animal, we don't know with these knuckleheads. But he took the heart and and squeezed it so that the and, you know and not to be as graphic as I can, but he allowed himself to be uh, covered with 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 the blood of the heart. He ate a piece of the heart, and they danced in a circle. This is this is the United States. This is Boston, Massachusetts, in plain sight, with the media surrounding them, the police standing off to the side doing absolutely nothing. And they, they, they danced around the flag burning, covered in, 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 in the blood of this heart, crying out uh, phrases to the god of chaos, a ceremony that occurred over the weekend. Do you have eyes to see what is happening in this nation? Do you understand the level of darkness that is coming over the land? Because it's time for Lydia to go in the house, see? And what we've been preaching over the last several months is that we believe that the Spirit of God has told us that that we are to be the most cautious that we've ever been right now. Now, you can go out and you can, you know, march your marches and, you know, demand your rights to gather in your public worship centers if you want to. But the issue is this. Is God speaking to us, and is he warning us to lay low? It doesn't mean you're unpatriotic. It means you're wise. And we have given you biblical precedent for it in the times of Jeremiah, in the times of Isaiah, in the times of Ezekiel. The instruction that were given days before a nation was about to come under intense judgment because of the wickedness that is pervading not in the dark corners of, of, of the dens of iniquity, but now publicly coming across your television sets, your computer screens, your iPhones, wherever you want to look, your newspapers, and they're boldly proclaiming what they're doing. They're tearing down our heritage. They're burning our churches. They're doing open ceremonies to the devil himself, not somewhere in, in the castles of Romania, but in the very seat of the birthplace of our country, this happened on Saturday. And you can, if you want to look at it, it's there. You can pull it up. But again, like Brother points out here, a year later now, 
the Vatican issued a new silver, silver coin, and and uh, in connection with with the European Union, uh, it was a state-sanctioned coin. It actually has actual value, and it's in celebration of the 50th anniversary of World Earth Day. Don't forget what we're talking about here. We're talking about Gaia. We're talking about the spirit of Python. Now, that happened in the days of Paul, but all of a sudden we see the same sim- symbology happening now. And, and, and who's promoting it is the, is the oldest symbol of Christianity on the planet. Now, remember, the book of Revelation predicts to us that that could very well be where this false prophet emerges uh, from, the city of Rome. And the kind of policies and doctrinal blasphemy that is now emitting from the, from the one who claims to be the vicar of Christ in connection with validating the policies of a global agenda, if you have eyes to see and you know your Bible, brothers and sisters, we are right here, right now. Now, they issued this silver coin, and it's worth 10 euros. And the image on the coin, like my brother just shared, is the image of a young woman impregnated with with Gaia, or Mother Earth, the mother of the serpent from the earth. It shows her pregnant on the coin, and she's about to give birth to a new earth, or a new expression of the earth. It's very symbolic to me of of the earth itself symbolizing Mother Gaia, and the woman, a young girl pregnant with her, is is like as she's described in Revelation 17 as the mother of harlots. And, and, and so we have the daughter and the mother merged together in one image on a coin, the Vatican itself promoting idolatry. Now, let's dig a little deeper here. Because the interesting symbolism of the coin, the coin has emerging from the head of the young daughter eight branches of wheat and it's worth 10 euros now the designer of the coin uh which was commissioned (laughs) uh, by the roman mint uh, the euro here uh his name is luigi oldiani right and concerning the design when they asked him they said well what how'd you why'd you come up with this in addition to, to saying because of what the Pope's been saying, he goes on to say, the image of the young woman is something and, and uh, that just came to me, quote, unquote. It just came to me. Really? <laughs> you don't know how you did it? It just came to you? I'm saying he's being inspired by something. And it represents, he said, the past and the future. And he said, this is eternal. Those are his words. Now, why is the symbolism of the eight and the ten, as he describes it, that just came to him, important? Because of what we read, quite possibly the symbolism is not coincidental, but they're announcing something if you have eyes to see. Can you read uh, to us, Brother Jeremy, Revelation chapter 17, uh, verse 8 through 12? Oh, wait, I never did get to Revelation chapter 9, did I? 
because <laughs> we were talking about this spirit of python that emerges from the earth right and and you, you can go look at it yourself. let's read chapter nine just so i we don't we don't leave anything uncovered here can you read chapter nine uh verse uh one and two yes and the fifth angel sounded and i saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit in case you forgot we were talking about what they're boldly proclaiming in cern we talked about uh, how the, the Oracle of Delphi claimed to be influenced by this dragon, this serpent, and the heart of the earth. And that what would happen is that smoke would emerge, emerge from the fissure or the crack in the earth and cover her. And she would become intoxicated and begin to utter these ecstatic prophetic revelations. Well, what we see here in Revelation chapter 19 is a description of that very same spirit. And what we're told here in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1, is, is, is a description of the devil himself falling to earth. And, and permission is given to him to, to loose this, this spirit that's about to come forth. And it says that to him is given the key. In other words, he doesn't possess the key. He has permission to unlock something. And what he, once he unlocks it, we see the same kind of symbolism. We see smoke emerging out of a pit like a great furnace. It, it's the center of the earth. And what we know about what emerges is in verse 11. Can you read verse 11 to us? Chapter yes. 9, verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue, hath his name Apollyon. Apollyon. There's the connection again to that spirit of divination and the same phraseology and mythology uh, that, that Luke was inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to include as the one that possesses this woman, this damsel. Now listen, uh, getting back to this Mother Gaia and this commemorative coin that we believe is being put out there. Uh, and if we have eyes to see, the, the symbolism is not coincidental. What emerges from the top of the head of this young daughter who's impregnated with Gaia are eight branches of wheat. The value of the coin itself is 10, 10 euros. Is it possible, and I think it is, that what they are declaring, whether whether the the <laughs> you know the uh, the undiscerning public has eyes to see or not, they are stating exactly what, what what's coming. Read to us Revelation 17, would you? And see if we can find the number 8 and the number 10 there. 17, 8 through 12, Brother Jeremy. Yeah. <clears throat> the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose name were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is, 
And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth unto perdition. In verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. And these all have one mind, and they will give their power and their strength to the beast. Brothers and sisters, is it is it is it just coincidence? See, what we see here being revealed is is this beast that's described as was, has, is, but is not at the time that John is writing. It, it, because it's speaking of an ancient spirit that emerges from the center of the earth, that spirit of Python in Greek mythology. And this coin that was issued on top of the head of the woman who's pregnant with Mother Earth are eight stalks of wheat. Eight is the number of the beast in verse 11 because it says, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. They could have chose five stalks of wheat, seven stalks of wheat. They chose seven, I mean, eight stalks of wheat to come out of the image on this coin. Are they referencing him? And the fact that the coin itself is worth 10 euros? Are they referencing the 10 kings that will merge together and give their power to he that is the ace? Read it again in your own time and think about it. And Google this coin and you'll see what we're talking to you about. So now let's return to the woman in Acts chapter 16. Uh, and we'll see something really here. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? Yeah, I'm just meditating. That's strong. All right. Back to Acts 16? Uh, yes, Acts chapter 16. Would you read to us now, with everything we've been discussing, viewing it from the prophetic lens and the road we've taken down, Let's read to us verse 17 through 19, would you? And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. So quickly, let's just look at verse 17. Paul turns his attention to her. And, and it, notice how she's acting. She's, she's following them, attaching herself to them, as if 
uh, she seeks to align herself with them. See, this false system, we're told in the book of Revelation, is something that we're going to need to, to withdraw from. But she seeks to align herself uh, with, with symbolism of Christianity. That's what she's doing. She's even attesting that they have <laughs> the way of salvation, so forth and so on. But, but what does Paul do? He, he, he destroys her. And that's what we were talking about. Uh, and there seems to be a hint here of the, of the coming destruction of this, this Mother Earth Babylonian kind of spirit that rests upon her. She will be destroyed. And, and we see a hint at that in that Paul casts out this spirit. But notice what he calls the spirit. And, and the authority, by the way, is Jesus Christ, right? I command thee in the name of Jesus, verse 18, to come out of her, Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And, and, and notice what he says. And he came out the same hour. It's, it's, a, it's a man. It, it, it references a, a, a man spirit, right? It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a uh, what's the right word? Um, it's not a female spirit. Masculine. It's a male. Masculine? Male. Yeah, it's a masculine. That's it. That's a good way to put it. It's masculine. It 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 is it is a a foreshadow, a type of that spirit of Python coming out of her. He casts it out, but it shows us what's controlling her. It shows us where it hides, and it shows that it's a he, it's not a she or an it. It's a he. Very interesting. Now he came out what uh, the same hour. And then what happens, Brother Jeremy, in verse 19? And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. All right. So now if we're looking at prophetic foreshadows or types of metaphors here, what do we see here, I believe, is the destruction, a hint at the destruction of the whore of Babylon and and, and subsequently the loss of gain for her masters. Do we see that? Yes, we do. We see that in Revelation chapter 18. Can you turn over there and see? And notice the language that's used there in Revelation 18. Uh, what, what verse is that? Let's see. Uh, verse 9 through 11, brother. Okay. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And? And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. So what happens is that, go back to Acts chapter 16, what happens to this woman is, is that she, her ability uh, to be profitable is taken from her. She's destroyed in essence. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a foreshadow. It's a hint at, at what's yet to come in the future, which we believe is our time. Notice it, it, it references in, in Revelation where Brother Jeremy just read, that in one hour, right, uh, so great riches mm. have come to nothing. Notice here in verse mm. 18 that the Spirit comes out that same hour, uh, right? 
And then what happens yes. in, in, in Revelation 19.11, the merchants begin to wail because they have no more money they can make, right? And look at what happens in verse 19. In that same hour, her masters see that the hope of their gains was gone. It's the same phraseology. Do you see it? Yes. Do you understand or am I, am I confusing you? <laughs> Remember her as the, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the the phraseology is the same. Revelation chapter eighteen. In that hour, she's destroyed. The merchants begin to wail because no man buys their merchandise. In other words, the hope of their gains is gone. That's the same thing that happens here in nineteen in this second story of Acts chapter sixteen. Now. These are brand, now what what is the result of this event is that the events bring about an increased scrutiny of Paul and Silas. In other words, persecution begins to unfold on the basis of Roman law. Read to us Acts chapter sixteen, verse twenty through twenty three, would you, Brother Jeremy? And brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So notice something, when this woman uh, and and who she was is removed and her ability to be who she was is removed, in that same hour, the merchants or those who controlled her realize the hope of their gains is gone. That parallels Revelation chapter 18 and the judgment of the whore of Babylon. What immediately follows as you continue to follow the pattern in the book of Revelation comparing scripture with scripture is an increased persecution now comes upon the church in the book of Revelation. The same thing is happening here in the form of Paul and Silas in that this event ends up bringing further scrutiny specifically to them. And in verse 21, what Brother Jeremy uh, just read, it's based on what? On, On that they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans. Now understand that the the term Romans represents in prophetic scripture that fourth beast that Daniel saw, that exceedingly fierce beast that is unlike any beast before it, the beast that rises up out of the sea in Revelation 13, all of it, the global empire. So what we see now is a move towards jailing the, the, the very representation of Christ as we head into the third and final story. So what we're going to see is that what the the basis of the persecution is that they teach customs that are not lawful and 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 why they're not lawful is because they belong to the Roman system. This is exactly what the book of Revelation says will happen. That the coming persecution will be driven specifically upon the true church because it preaches a doctrine that is completely the antithesis of the beast system, which is here in this story represented by their declaration of being Romans. So tomorrow, this is where we'll launch off. We'll we'll begin to explore the third story. What we're going to see is that Paul and Silas find themselves in prison, but when? At midnight. 
one of the greatest displays of the power of God is about to occur. All of it is the testimony of Jesus Christ in the spirit of prophecy. And I know for some, these these explorations of the prophetic symbolism and what they mean can be very difficult for some of you to see, primarily because you have never been taught anything in your churches. And I don't say that arrogantly. I say that uh, angrily, actually, because the preachers didn't, over the last several decades, didn't take the time uh, to pay the price to feed the flock of God. But that's neither here nor there. Those days are over. But God is reaching us now. God is reaching out to all of us. And we know that by the grace of the Holy Spirit's instruction, we're all going to see. Because remember what we saw in Lydia, the travailing church? It says that God opened her heart. In other words, great revelation is being poured into the body of Christ, especially as we go forward in these days to come. And as the Lord told us, remember, the Holy Spirit will show us things that are yet to be. He's going to reveal the future to us. I think that's what's been happening over these last eight months of these podcasts, at least in our little circle, right? Our little community of listeners and our discussions. There's many, many more out there in, in, all over the world. God is speaking the same thing. And, and what he's foretold by the prophets and the apostles, it's begun. I'm absolutely more convinced of this and more confident of this than when I first started studying prophecy at age 14, when I when I first read Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth. What happens when a person begins to see by the Spirit and understand by the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal, one, what we must do to protect and guide our families. That's what this is all about. See, we've talked many times about the inability for many people at this moment to really wrap their head around the thought, the idea, the possibility that we've actually entered into these prophetic times that were foretold by the prophets some 3,000 years ago. But indeed we have. And that apparent fact and truth will continue to become more and more apparent as we go day by day into the future here. Well, how long do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I know that the Bible speaks of a seven-year period, at least, where things will be increased and appear to be like, okay, things are back to normal, but in truth, it's a ruse. We do know also that in the midst of that seven-year period will come the dividing point and the full manifestation of this spirit of Python, this spirit of Apollyon, this son of perdition we've been talking about, he's here. His children are rising up. The reason that they're doing what they're doing openly, and I, and I ask you to forgive me for some of the graphic things that we shared today, particularly what occurred in Boston, but I think it's necessary so that it might jar us into understanding that these times are not like the times that we've ever seen before in this country or around the world. Subsequently, God's children need to hear the voice of the Spirit and draw near to him and call out to him. I, I don't care what you're doing or what you've done or what, whatever the case may be today, if you will just call out to him. It ain't no thing, man. You tell him what's in your heart, and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness and then move on. It's going to be all right. But he's trying to warn us. He's trying to guide us. 
and I'm going to say it until they take us off the air. <laughs> Jesus is coming, man. And so what happens when a person begins to see and understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal, again, he will reveal to us what we must do to protect and guide our families. Listen, we're just 12 days away, I think it is now, uh, from the election in the United States. I encourage you that are listening, prepare yourselves. Because it's not just election night or the day after election. It's what's coming in the weeks after that. Either way. Either a radical alteration of everything we've ever known is about to happen. Or should should the president be reelected? They're going to fight like they've never fought before. They would rather burn down America than let that happen. They've come way too far. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to warn you. You listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm just one guy. My brothers are just, you know, individuals. We're just here trying to do our best to hear from the Lord by his grace, mercy, and peace, and and, and his cleansing grace in our minds and our hearts and our bodies. But we're trying with all our heart to hear what he's saying. And what he is saying to us is what you've been hearing for eight months. And now as we're we're coming down the home stretch to this next phase uh, of 2020, Understand, it's time to wake up. It's time to cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit so that he can lead you, so that he can comfort and guide you and reveal the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ to you and me, so that he can correct us and counsel us and incline our hearts unto his path, a path that will lead us home, a path that doesn't end in destruction and despair, but one that Jesus, uh, you know, implored us to create within us a personality that squares its shoulders back, that digs its heels into the ground and looks up because we know our redemption is drawing nigh. This is it, brothers and sisters. We are the most privileged generation that has ever lived because it's quite possible that soon and very soon we're going to see the king. The Holy Spirit's going to show us all the things that we have yet to deal with in our own personal lives. He's preparing us. He's cleaning us up. He's dealing with areas maybe that you never thought or you thought you had overcome. Well, he's revealing maybe you need to do something else to get rid of this or that or the other. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by the the grace of God exhibited on Calvary and on the day of resurrection. We're saved by his resurrection. But he's preparing us to meet our Lord. So that when we stand before us, before him, and he stands before us, we won't have to be ashamed. This is what we're striving for individually, and then we strive collectively as a community, and then within the context of our own families and loved ones, our neighbors, whoever God has put on your heart. This is it. And you will see this more and more as we head into the days ahead. How long? I don't know. But I do know it's nearer than when we first believed. And third, he's going to empower us, overcome all these things. Remember when the persecution came against Stephen, the Bible says his face shone as if it were an angel. And he saw the heavens opened and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. The Lord's return is approaching. And we, his people, 
must prepare. Midnight is coming, but so is our great deliverance. Be strong. Be at peace. The Lord is calling us. And that's something that I can't wait to see. Even so, return quickly, Lord. We hope you've been blessed, inspired, encouraged, and motivated to seek the Lord, to hear from his spirit, and to read his word. For the spirit and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit. Prophecy. Brother Jeremy? Amen. Let it be so. Nothing to add, but very powerful ending there. Hallelujah. I pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue our our journey to Athens. I believe the Lord has spoken to our hearts. And just let it settle in. The words that you have just heard, let, us, let it settle in in your spirit, in your heart. Meditate upon it. These are truly the last days. Meanwhile, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.